Good morning, Maple Grove. All right, all right. Uh, I want to read a passage from uh, Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. Very early on the first day of the week at dawn, the women came to the tomb bringing the spices that they had prepared. Now, now picture the scene. It's very early, it's dark, and, and try to imagine the emotions that these ladies are feeling. They're hurting, they're broken, they're filled with sorrow and with grief. I mean, these ladies had been at the foot of the cross with Jesus. All the guys took off except for John, but these ladies saw it all. They saw the blood, they saw the pain, they saw the mockings, they saw the nails, they saw the brutality, they saw Jesus take his very final breath. And listen, the job that they were about to perform was not a pleasant one. I mean, these ladies would be the ones to wipe the blood off of Jesus' body, to wash away the blood that had matted in his beard and his hair. Yeah, that first Easter morning, these ladies were fully expecting to see a dead body. Very early in the first day of the week at dawn, the women came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the entrance of the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, two men in shining clothes suddenly stood beside them. The women were very afraid and bowed their heads to the ground. The men said to them, why are you looking for a living person in the place of the dead? He's not here. He's risen from the dead. Do you remember what he told you in Galilee? He said the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful people, be crucified, and rise from the dead on the third day. Then the women remembered what Jesus had said. The women left the tomb and told all these things to the 11 apostles and the other followers. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother James, and some other women who told the apostles everything that had happened at the tomb. I mean, can you imagine how excited they were? You think they wanted to say, hey, I guess we went to the tomb and like Jesus, they said, are you kidding me? We went to the tomb, we're there, it was empty, what in there's he's not, he's not there. He's alive. But they did not believe the women. Because it sounded like nonsense. And I get that. I mean, a lot of, about Jesus sounds like nonsense, right? God put him in flesh, the infinite God becoming a finite, frail human being, and then dying for us on the cross. It does sound like nonsense. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, bending down and looking in. He saw only the cloth that Jesus' body had been wrapped in. Peter went away to his home, wondering about what had happened. Heavenly Father, we humbly and joyfully and expectantly come into your presence this morning, Easter 2022. Uh, we're so grateful, Father, that the, that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive, that he defeated death, sin, and the grave for us. And God, I just pray in the next few moments as we consider this the greatest event in human history, God, that we would open up our hearts and minds, and even if we've heard this story for decades, that we'll hear it fresh again. Holy Spirit, move among us, and may something happen in us that changes us so that we can go out and help change this world. Father, help me, to, help me to share this message in a way that brings you honor and you glory, and forgive me for my many sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, they were looking for Jesus who was crucified. Now, the crucifixion, that, that, was, that was Friday. But listen, from the very moment that the Roman soldier pounded the first nail into Jesus, Sunday was coming. And on Sunday, the earth shook and the stone was rolled away as Jesus, with great power, burst forth from the grave. Maple Grove, the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. 
Amen? And, and, you know, if you're visiting with us, it's so great to have you today. I'm different, and I'll just say that up front. And I like audience participation. If you guys would stand up with me. I usually stand up on my feet. I don't know how you all do it. But. And, and, and what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to say, he's alive seven times with passion. Right? And, and, and just let that truth just vibrate in your being. On the count of three, on three, not after three, on three, right? He's alive. One, two, three. He's alive. 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 We did eight. Yes. Some of you were counting at the same time. You could do that. It's amazing. But let, listen, Jesus is alive. The enemy has been defeated. Death has lost its sting. Mercy has been unleashed. Hope is being renewed. Captives are being set free. The broken are being made whole. And darkness has been beating back once and for all time because his love could not and would not be overcome. Amen? Why are you looking for the living in the place of the dead? He's not here. He's risen from the dead. Now understand that Jesus, he said that what happened on that first Easter weekend, the betrayal, the arrest, the denials, the crucifixion, his death and resurrection, he said it was going to happen. And when he rode into Jerusalem to begin his ministry, when he went to the temple and overturned the tables, driving out the money changers, he said this, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, to some religious leaders who were all upset because Jesus cast out a demon, he said this, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then as Jesus began to make his final trip to Jerusalem, he says in Matthew 16 that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day be raised to life. Understand, from the beginning of his ministry, the end of his ministry, Jesus said that he would suffer, he would die, and would rise again. And he also said that his resurrection would be undeniable proof that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. God in the flesh, the bread of life, the light of the world, the Savior King, the great I am, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. Paul wrote this to the church in, in Rome. He was declared to be God's son with great power by rising from the dead. I understand Jesus' resurrection is meant to remove any doubt whatsoever as who Jesus is. Maple Grove, it's Easter 2022, and I declare to you this day, based on the authority of the Word of God and the testimony of history, that the Jesus that we love, serve, and worship, the Jesus we gathered in this room to celebrate, is not just a prophet, he's not just a great teacher, he's not just a really, really, really nice guy, he is the Alpha and Omega, he is the beginning and the end. He is the creator of all that we see. He is before all things. He is over all things. He is the lion of Judah. He is the prince of peace. He's the one who holds all things together. Like the earth in its orbit. Not to mention the billions of galaxies. And maybe Grove, if he can hold that together. And it seems to me like he is, right? I mean, the earth is still revolving in this orbit at 67,000 miles an hour and spinning on his axis at 1,000 miles per hour, if he can hold that together, then he can hold our lives together. And not only can he hold your life together, he can give you the life that you always dreamed of living. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
abundant life, satisfying life, overflowing life. I'm not sure if you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ. It's very powerful. If you have not seen it, I would recommend it. Not for very young children. And probably my favorite scene in the movie is the scene of, with Mary and Jesus. And Jesus is carrying his cross through the streets of Jerusalem. And, he, and Mary's tracking in the distance. And Jesus falls down. And Mary begins to run to him. And as she runs to him, her mind flashes back to a time when Jesus was just a toddler. And he fell down. And she ran to him. And so Mary's running to Jesus as he's bearing the weight of the cross. And she gets to him and she says the same thing she said to Jesus when he fell down as a toddler. Toddler, She said, Jesus, I'm here. And then Jesus said, see, mother, I am making all things new. I don't know if that really happened. Could have. But here's what I know. I know that Jesus knew that his death, burial, and resurrection would change everything and would make everything new. And listen, that's the message that rang out from the early church in the book of Acts and through the pages of history. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, when the apostles are busted out of jail, some angels tell them this, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this, what kind of life? This, this new life. New. Question, could you use some new in your life today, Easter 2022? And why do we need or want new? Because what we currently have is gotten old, worn out, and and broken. Okay, so what's the one thing in your life right now that if you could have a new one, you would get it? Maybe it's a new car, new house. I want you to think about that. What's the one thing that you want new that, that you don't have and you love to have it? Get it in your mind, on the count of three, I want you to shout out what that new thing would be that you would want, if you could have it. One, two, three. <laughs> okay, we can, we can do better. Okay, one, two, three. A new lawn. I want a new lawn. <laughs> My lawn looks so bad right now. If I could have a new lawn, wait a second. I think I heard someone over there say a new pastor. <laughs> yeah, it was right. You know what? That, that, it's Easter. That is so wrong. Wow. All right. All right. All right. You know, my guess is that if we were being honest, we might say something different than what we said out loud. Maybe you would say, I, I need a new relationship. I need a new job. I need a new purpose. I need a new hope because I'm pretty discouraged lately. I need a new passion. A new beginning, a new chance. Or maybe, man, I, I need a new life because the life that I'm living is not going very well right now. Listen, that's what Easter is all about. It's about Jesus rising from the dead and making all things new. Listen, Easter is not about Easter bunnies, Easter eggs, or Easter candy. Now, I'm not against those things at all. And to prove it to you, I am going to break out my Easter tradition. Some of my family, some pastors have Easter cantanas. I have Easter candy throws. <laughs> All right? All right? So I'm going to throw out. I love to throw things in church. All right? So I have some right here, some marshmallow peeps. All right? Oh! Oh! 
All right. Someone really had their hands up. I'm going to get it. Hey, protect all small children, please. All right. Dad got it. And here we have a hollow bunny, right? Because the tomb was empty. We know that. All right. Here we have extreme sour warheads. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. All right. Sorry about that. Years ago, I brought a pitching machine into church for illustration, and I nailed a guy in the head in the back. It's like, so sorry. Here we have blue peeps. All right. All right. Good job. I had a few, uh, what are these? Cadbury cream egg. And another Cadbury egg. Whoa! Thank you, Dad. <laughs> Could have been bad. All right, I got some, I'm almost done. I have a solid rabbit right here. Why, did you throw it back at me? <laughs> solid rabbit. Anyone want a solid rabbit? Shoo! <laughs> All right. A pink bunny. Pink, pink. Oh, good job. <laughs> and because I love my son-in-law, and he loves Reese's Pieces, I got a Reese's piece, a Reese's Cup egg. <laughs> I know. Here, there you go. Oh, all right, all right, all right. So, you know, Peter and Paul did that in the Book of Acts. <laughs> no, not really. That's fun. I'm not against those things, especially on Monday when everything's 75 percent off. Right? But listen, here's what Easter is about: us bringing to God something that is old, broken, busted, and dead, and God giving us back something new and alive. Amen? Now, the two passages in Scripture have a new... Where did that come from? <laughs> have a new foodie in the family. Yeah, awesome. I have no idea what that means or where it came from. <laughs> I, but I had to break it up because you all saw it, right? If I didn't mention it, I like, what is that up there? I have... First, there's a new hoodie, but no, new foodie. All right. Anyhow, uh, two of my favorite scriptures in the Bible about new. The first is in Isaiah chapter 43. And God wrote this to his people 700 years before Jesus, a time when things for God's people were broken. He says this, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, and who drew out the chariots and horses and army and reinforcements together. And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Okay, let's hit the pause button. You see what God is doing? What God is doing is he is reminding his people of who he is and, and what he did so that they'll believe what he's about to tell them. Who am I? I am the great I am. I'm your creator. I'm your king. And what did I do? I made a way through the sea. I, I took out your enemies, snuffed them out like a wick, never to rise again. You know who I am. You've seen what I've done. Then he says, but forget about all that. About what? Forget about Moses. Forget about the plagues. Forget about the parting of the Red Sea because it's nothing compared to what I am going to do. God is saying, hey, if you thought that was awesome, if you thought that was a deliverance, 
Just wait until you see the deliverance that the Messiah is going to bring. And make no mistake about it, the Messiah is coming. And when, he comes to, and when it comes to deliverance, redemption, and freedom, you ain't seen nothing yet. But forget about all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do, for I'm about to do a brand new thing. See, it has already begun. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Understand, when this new deliverance comes, it will be a total, complete, forever deliverance. Physical, emotional, spiritual, eternal. In this deliverance, you'll never find yourself wandering in the desert because there's streams in the desert, which means there's no more desert. Someone say, no more desert. And my second favorite passage about new is in Revelation chapter 21, where John says this. He says, on that day, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I'm making everything new. The old order of things has passed away. No more tears, no more death, no more crying, no more pain. Think about that. It's all gone. No more. And that's why we celebrate Easter. For honest, I think many of us would say, okay, good. That's great news. I'm excited that one day, that if I put my trust in Jesus, that one day everything will be new. That there will be this new life in heaven. That's really good. One day. But what about right now? What about now? No tears one day, great. But right now your heart is broken. No loneliness one day, but right now you really would love to have a meaningful relationship. No heartache, no suffering, no pain. One day, really good, but let's be honest, there's a lot of pain right now. And it's not that you're not excited about one day. It's just, it's just that you could use some new right now. Amen? Imagine it this way. Imagine that you get a call from an attorney who says that one of your distant relatives has won $640 million in the lottery. And what he's going to do is... is because he doesn't want his relatives to keep hitting them up, he says, I'm going to give each one of them a million dollars. Get it over with. So they're calling me all the time. And, and, and because you're a relative, you're going to get one million dollars. And you go, that's incredible. You think about all the bills that are going to be paid. And, but then the attorney explains to you that he didn't take the lump sum. He, some, he went the annuity route. And then after taxes, he's going to get about $20 million a year for 26 years. And since you're a distant relative, you're number 26. Hey, once you know you're going to get a million dollars 26 years from now. And you're still excited, right? It's still great news, but doesn't it change how you receive it? Right, because it's good to know that in the future this is happening, but right now you have some things you have to deal with. And I'm wondering if that's how we often feel when we walk out of church or out of Easter service. It's good, right? New life in heaven, incredible. No tears, no pain, no crying. But by the time we get home, we're pretty overwhelmed with our right now. But what if I told you, what if I told you that the message of Easter is not new one day, but 
that new begins now. That's why Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says that Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And then in verse 17, you probably know this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life will begin someday. No, a new life, what? Has begun. Has begun. See, that's the promise of Easter and the gospel. Not, 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 not new life someday, but new life begins right now. And here's the deal. When we can live with that reality, it changes everything. It changes our perspective. It changes our passion, our purpose, our life. Jesus came to make all things new. And this morning, Easter 2022, Jesus is offering everyone in this room a new position, a new perspective, and a new power. Have you ever been in a bad position? Holding a bill you cannot pay? Getting a doctor's report you'd rather not hear? Working at a place you'd rather not be? Barely, barely hanging on a relationship that is not working out very well? Uh, this week I went online and found some pictures of people in a very bad position. That's a car. And actually, did, it actually got rescued, but that, I, that's a bad position. <laughs> Here's another picture, right? That's never fun, right? Never fun. Here's someone else in a bad position. Actually, I found out that this was his trainer, and they're just playing, but that looks kind of scary. Here's some dude, you know, people love their selfies, right? Like, I, I really don't know what happened to this dude, but you know what? I, he, he got a good picture, right? Here, this is nuts. Stuck 30 minutes upside down. That's a bad position. And now here's another roller coaster one. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh. <laughs> That's a bad position. My gosh, that'd be awful. I think I'd rather be hung upside down for 30 minutes, right? Um, and, and here's another one. Anybody know who this is? Okay. I found out that only my family doesn't know who that is, right? Age myself. Anybody know what the E stands for? Ethelbert. Okay, see? Anyhow, those who don't know this, YouTube some Wally Coyote, the roadrunner, and uh, like he's always in a bad position, right? Jesus came to give us a new position. And you know what? We needed a new position. All of mankind needed a new position. Because our old position, like Wally E. Coyote, was not so good. A few scriptures. You used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you as enemies and you did evil things. Far from God, God's enemies. Paul in Ephesians 2 also talks about our old position. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature objects of wrath. A little down, further down in Ephesians chapter 2, you were separate from God, from Christ, excluded, without hope, and without God in the world. And to say that our opposition was not so good is an understatement. Dead, far away from God, Objects of his wrath, excluded, 
without hope, without God, his enemies. And that's the bad news. And it could not get any badder than that. But the good news is that Jesus came to make all things new and he changes that position. Check out the change of position. Just after those verses there, the same verse, the very next words, we have three of the best buts in the Bible. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Bad news. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. Amen. You are separate from Christ, excluded, without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you his enemies, and you did evil things. But his son became a human and died, so God made peace with you, and now lets you stand in his presence as people who are holy. Someone say holy. And faultless. Someone say faultless. And innocent. Okay. From dead, far away from God, objects of wrath, excluded, without hope, without God, his enemies, to alive, saved, brought near, holy, faultless, innocent, at peace with God, no longer separate, live in God's presence. Talk about a change in position. Amen? And listen, this new position is all about being in Christ. Second Corinthians again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... They become a new person, the old life is gone, and a new life has begun. God made him who had, had, God made him who had no sin, that'd be Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteous of God. Okay, in Christ the old is gone, in Christ the new has begun, in Christ we become the righteous of God. And so the question of the ages is, how does someone... Get into Christ. Does the Bible ever talk about that? Yes, it does. Galatians 3.27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We're therefore buried with him through baptism and the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And listen, when the gospel was preached for the very first time, 3,000 people were baptized into Christ. Peter's preaching the sermon, the very first time the gospel was ever preached, convinces them that they have killed the Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. The promise that if we repent and are baptized, we have forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many of the words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Now, if you're new to church, <clears throat> Christian baptism may seem a little strange. But, see, baptism is this, ima <clears throat> excuse me, this image of Jesus being buried 
and been risen to new life. In baptism, we're saying to Jesus, Jesus, I'm surrendering the lordship of my life to you. I'm dying to my old self. I'm burying my old self. And through your grace and sacrifice, I'm rising in a whole new way of life. It's Easter 2022, and Jesus is offering everyone in this room a new position. Not dead in their sins, but alive in Christ. Have you taken him up on this offer? If so, awesome. If not, why not? If not, what are you waiting for? Next, Jesus offers us a new perspective. A new perspective. Perspective. A way of regarding situations, facts, etc., and judging their relative importance. Perspective, to have the proper or accurate point of view of something. And Jesus gives us a new perspective about what we've done, what we've done about our past. We all have one, right? Some distant past and some up-close past. But understand, in Christ, your past, your yesterdays, your sins, your failures, and your struggles no longer need to define you or limit you. In Christ, your past, your yesterdays, your sins, your failures, and your struggles no longer need to define you or to limit you. Amen? On that first Easter, if there ever was someone who needed a new perspective, it was a guy named, named Peter. Man, I'm sure that when Peter woke up on that Sunday morning, if he slept at all, that he felt devastated, he felt ashamed, he felt hopeless, he felt eaten up by guilt, drowning in regret. Ever been there? Are you there now? Ashamed? Hopeless? Eaten up by guilt, drowning in regret? Yes, perhaps this morning you feel a little bit like Humpty Dumpty. You know the guy, right? He sat on the wall and he had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Like maybe you feel like nothing could ever put you back together again. Maybe you feel like I've done too much. I've gone too far. My sins and mistakes are too deep. And if that is how you're feeling or thinking, I take great pleasure in telling you, you are wrong. You're wrong. Because the resurrection really does change and redeem our past, just like it did for Peter. I mean, imagine how Peter felt when the women came from the tomb, but go tell the disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you. Like, go tell everyone, but make sure you tell Peter, right? And make sure Peter knows that he gets a second chance. Make sure Peter knows that with Jesus, it's not three strikes and you're out as long as you still want to be in. I mean, it's as if all of heaven saw Peter fall and all of heaven could not wait for Peter to rise up again. See, the resurrection changes our past. It removes the stain. It covers our shame. It forgives our sin. On the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished, right? That's one word in Greek, to telestai. It means paid in full. How much do you worry about a bill that you've paid in full? Zero, right? Zero. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because you owed a debt that you could never pay. He was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. I remember vividly this time on a Good Friday when 
I was kneeling before a cross and I, I was visualizing Jesus beaten, bleeding and bruised looking down at me. And I almost heard him say to me and what he said to me kind of surprised me because I, I thought he was going to say, Steve, when are you ever going to get right? <laughs> Steve, you're such a loser. Steve, you're such a failure. Why do you keep messing up? But you know what he said? I felt him saying to me, Steve, let it go. Steve, you're free. Steve, I did not hang on the cross and endure all this so that you can still feel guilty and still carry that shame. The telestai. Are you still punishing yourself for your past? Understand, Jesus was hung on the cross so you could stop hanging yourself on one. Amen? And some... Someone in this room needs to hear that. <laughs> Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are, there it is again, it's all over Scripture, those who are in Christ Jesus. Next, Jesus gives a new perspective about who we are. Now, there's this awesome encounter that John the Baptist had in John chapter 1 with some Pharisees who were questioning him. And they said this, who are you? Give us an answer. Who do you... What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm a voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. In other words, John is saying, I say about me whatever God says about me, <laughs> which is a very healthy perspective to have. Because, listen, there's a lot of noise and lies out there and in our heads, lies and noise maybe from a parent, from a spouse, an ex-spouse, from other people, noise from yourself, noise from our culture, noise from the evil one telling you that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, that you never will measure up. And Jesus came to give you a new perspective about who you are. And he should know who you are because he actually breathed life into you. See, Jesus wants to overwhelm the lies and the noise out there and sometimes in your own head with the truth about who you are in him. Amen? And here's what we're going to do. I think it, I'm going to say, who are you? And you're going to answer. Who are you? And you're going to answer, right? You all got this? You all look really you're smart, right? And, 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 and this is all true. Right? And I'm not making this stuff up. If this is really true, it does change everything, right? Who are you? That didn't work for me. Who are you? Almost there. Who are you? 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 One more time. Who are you? 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 Amen. Amen. That is who we are in Christ. And he gives us a new perspective about where we're going. About our forever. Paul said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Understand, one day Jesus will make everything new. And on that day, all the junk, all the garbage, all the pain, all the suffering and heartache of this falling world will be no more. Yes, one day there will be no more hospital waiting rooms, no more tear-stained divorce papers, no more motionless ultrasounds, 
No more death, no more disease, no more disabilities, no more pain, no more foreclosure notices, no more assistant living centers, no more funerals, no more loneliness, no more fear, no more insecurity, no more anger, no more violence, no more racism, no more wars, no more abuse. No more, no more, no more. And that day is coming when God's going to put an end to it and make everything new. See, one of the reasons we celebrate Easter is because of our guaranteed awesome forever. Our gaff, right? Guaranteed awesome forever. Give me a G, give me an A, give me an F, right? And, and here's a, he gave, came to give us a new perspective about what we've done, who we are, where we're going. And here's a bonus, not in your notes. It'll be go, go quick. A new perspective about what really matters. Like a new purpose. A new purpose that is about living each day with a focused passion to make him known and to redirect, and to redirect the forevers of lost people. Every day that can be your purpose, right? No matter where you are, no matter what your career is, every day that can be your purpose. And can you think of a more enduring purpose than to make God known and redirect the forevers of lost people? New position, new perspective, and finally gives us a new power. This week I was thinking about, hey, what is it that makes this newness possible? And it's because we have a new power. The resurrection. Now if you talk to people and you, you ask them honestly how they're doing, you get past the, you know, fine, how are you? You'll find that most people would say, in not so many words, that they're tired, that they're exhausted, that they're worn out. And those are the words that many people use to describe their life. And our economy reflects that. I mean, $58 billion were spent last year globally on energy drinks, not counting coffee. We have Red Bull, Five Hour Energy, Monster, my favorite, and Rockstar. And the list goes on. And I don't have anything against any of these. In fact, I wish some of you would have drank a few energy drinks before you came in here, because you're killing me up here. No, just, <laughs> I'm going to start passing them out. Okay, get your energy. I'm just kidding. Well, maybe not. I don't know. But for honest, we'll just say that we're just trying to get through. We'll do everything we can to get a little extra energy so we can power up for the day. But here's what I know and what you know. There is no formula that they can come up with that gives you the power to forgive the person who cheated you out of your childhood or out of your marriage or out of your dreams. They don't have a drink for that. No, there's no drink that can give us the power to stop drinking or to stop using or to stop lusting or stop hating, stop being angry and bitter and unforgiving and anxious and worried and afraid all the time. No drink for that. There's no energy drink that gives you the power to get through the divorce, to get through the cancer, to get through the unemployment, to get through the abuse of your past that has severely damaged your self-worth. Understand, the world doesn't have and can't offer that kind of power. But Paul says, because of the resurrection, we have a new power. Ephesians 1, this is crazy. The Bible's full of crazy stuff that we actually believe that we be a lot happier. I pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power. 
And why is he praying that? Because people, they didn't know. You got this power, you don't know it. It's like right there, the source of power, but we don't even flip the switch. It's there. I pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. It is the same power that brought Christ back from the dead. That's some power. And Paul's saying his prayer is not that they just would get through the day, that they would just cope with life, that they would just barely survive, but that they would experience the power of the resurrection in their life right now. That their new life would not just begin one day when they're in heaven, but their new life would begin right now as they walk this planet. And listen, your new life can begin right now because you have a new power. Here's how Peter put it in his letter. His divine power has given us everything we need. And the Greek word for everything is everything, right? Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Like it's all there. All the ingredients are there. Years ago, God gave me an illustration of this. I was about to drink a cup of coffee. And it tasted terrible. And I looked down. You know what I forgot to do? All the great, the sugar was there, the cream was there. I forgot to stir it up. And I stirred it up. I go, oh, okay. Everything was there. I didn't stir it up. I think our life sometimes, all, we have everything we need. We just need to stir it up. We need to stir it up by spending time with God, being his word. And then we're going to find out we have the power that God is giving to us. It's all there. And, and this week I asked a bunch of people through a Facebook and didn't get enough responses there, so I abused people through text, you know, to say, hey, God's power can really do something in our life that no energy drink or anything could. And I say, complete this phrase, through Christ, through Jesus, God has given me a new. And I just had people list things, right? And here's what people said. This is the power of God. Through Jesus, God has given me a new perspective, a new hope, a new life, a new future, a new peace a new purpose, a new beginning, a new desire, a new heart, a new self, a new appreciation for who God is, a new home, a new family, a new attitude, a new plan, a new relationship, a new vision, a new way of seeing things, a new discernment, a new freedom, a new Lord of my life. I like this way, one, a new way of looking at my not-so-favorite people. <laughs> All right. But you know what the number one answer was? God has given me a new life. A new life. And that's the resurrection. That's Easter. That because Jesus died and rose again, that the old can be left behind, our sins can be forgiven, and a new life can begin now. Amen? He is making all things new. Heavenly Father, we... We humbly come into your presence, Lord. There is no one like you, God. No one compares to you. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. Everything has been changed. Everything's being made new. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just move in us right now. And God, I pray for those, Lord, who need a new perspective about what they've done. They're still chained to the shame and sin of their past, God. Help them to let it go. I pray for those who need a new perspective of who they are. They, they keep believing the lies that they're not good enough, that they're not worthy, God. God, I pray for those who need a new perspective about what really matters, God, that they have a new purpose to make you known and to redirect the eternity of lost people, God. God, I pray for all of us who 
just have not tapped into that new power like we should. The power to give us, because we've seen it happen in the lives of people, a new life, a new home, a new family, a new direction, a new purpose. God, I pray for anyone in this room, Lord, who is still living in that old position. That the day they'll accept your offer for a new position. In Jesus' name, amen.